from Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. I think it's fitting. I looked back months ago and thought, this is a fitting day. The day after Christmas, God compels us. What are we going to do with him the next day? And so we want to we unpackage that for you. What, what occurred the next day? Verse number 19 of Luke chapter 2, it says this, But Mary was treasuring all these things in her heart and meditating on them. See, I think that captures it for me that there was a lot more going on than you and I even realize. We got the story. We got the Christ child. We got the Redeemer. We got the Messiah. We see God's plan in action. It's unveiling before our very eyes. But what it must have been like for Mary. I think it's hard to capture that, and we're going to attempt to do so. Let's, uh, let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. Uh, we give you praise and glory in the house of the Lord this morning. Thanking you and we praising you, Lord, that for every day there's a next day. And for every day there's an eternity for the child of God. And Lord, may we just center in on what you have for us. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for all that you do. I pray my words be yours, my thoughts be yours, and all of us would walk in obedience. For we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Next day after delivery. Just, just thinking about that, I thought about next day delivery. I thought about in the world that we live in, and, and you know, it's another one of those things. I guess the older I get, I say this a lot, but it's, it's one of those deals that has it always been around. And, and I remember the time and day. You, you ever, you ever uh, put something off and all of a sudden you were supposed to mail something to somebody? Maybe it was legal. Maybe it's something to do with work. Maybe it was family. Maybe it was a, a loved one that lived off. You were trying to get something there for their birthday, and you procrastinated. You didn't get it done, and all of a sudden you, you walk in. You remember with the mail, they, they had these four or five things you could pay. You could let it go with regular mail, and there was no hope maybe that it would get there in time. Or, or you could pay for next day, and I remember next day aired. Y'all remember that? That was probably the first thing I realized. Wait a second. You can get it there the next day. And then when they showed you the cost, you thought, I don't know if I love them that much, but anyway. So, so people went on, and, and this has been an ongoing thing. Amazon came out with it in 2007 that they were going to guarantee next day. Uh, just through that, um, uh, Amazon Prime, I think they call it now. It's one of those perks that go with that. And, and I did, a, just, did some re- just did some research and reading. I have a friend of mine that works for uh, uh, DHL, which is a cur- big Curtis Global. It's the biggest one in the, in the world. I didn't realize that. He actually runs a hub down in the, uh, down in the uh, Virgin Islands. He's invited Suzanne and me to come down and see him sometime, and I think it's God's will for us to go see him. I really do. I also did some research about UPS, and I've always been fascinated. Who in the world, sitting at a meeting, came up with the color brown? Is that not the most, I mean, come on, can't we do a little better than that? At least have metallic brown. But does anybody know why they're, they're brown trucks? When they first started UPS, they found out that uh, brown, they feel like, shows the least amount of dirt. That's the reason they ended up being brown. Some of this great stuff. I also meant to mention this one. Did you know that there's an arrow on the FedEx truck? Did you know that? Huh? I don't know if they intentionally did that, but the next time you see a FedEx truck, don't wreck trying to find it, okay? So there's a lot of things. Next day, it's amazing. I've, I've, this is what's going on now. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, where I'm going to be living, I can't wait to find somebody's Christmas present out in my yard. But they say this is going to be the latest. You, you order something and they deliver it to you with a drone. How about that? So a lot of that. I started reading. I, I, I forgot that I got to put a sermon together. I started reading all this crazy mess about drones, not just shooting folks 
or dropping bombs on people, but actually delivering packages by drones. And I'm talking about they're everywhere that they say this. They say that's the latest thing. And listen, before you say, oh, no, just remember, we never thought we'd buy water in a bottle either. <laughs> Amen? It's, it's just amazing the day and age we live in. But next day, delivery. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary the next day? Mark Lowry, Lowry could have never envisioned the amount of first money he would make. And the staple song that he would have, Mary, did you know? I think it, 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 maybe there's a better way for me to say it. I think it scratches an itch for all of us. That there's a lot of things that we will never know, but God has planned for us, and he just needs our obedience. She could have never known. There's no way all, even with the prophecy, (coughs) I think the next day, I think was unparalleled. Because she not only knew she was going to give birth to the Messiah, but she knew what was going to happen to him. And so every day there was things that captured her. Um, my daughter, who's here, and I'm putting this out, just a couple of days ago, Abby Kate wrote a deal that's uh, on Facebook, and um, it, it really captured me yesterday morning. Uh, I was asleep when she wrote it, so I didn't see it till yesterday morning. But really captures for me as, as good as I've ever seen, and, and I would encourage you to do that. Yes, I'm a proud daddy. But it really captures a lot of times the, the whole thing that I think we miss. Um, I've always seemed to be caught. I don't think my family's called me too much. A couple of times they've called me a Scrooge this holiday season. Let me tell you what is at the very root that why I think I'm a Scrooge about Christmas is because I think sometimes we've allowed the world to so infiltrate such a holy, holy day that we've commercialized it to death. I have a hard time, I always have, especially in adult life, I have a hard time for Christmas morning for this reason. We, we, as parents, we got to make sure they got everything they wanted and it's exactly what they asked for and, and, and everybody's happy. And I've heard parents and grandparents ask, is this everything you wanted? Is everything okay? And, and it's like we're playing this thing of, of Christmas. And I want to just say, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, there's some other things I could give, but just this whole understanding that God help us not to make it secular instead of spiritual. You'll hear more about that in a few minutes. And I just have. And so Abby brought great perspective to this whole aspect of Mary and what she went through. And all of it, she didn't ask for any of it, but God asked it of her. And you and I need to be reminded the same way. When I think about the day after, I think about the day after the birth of Christ, there's some things come to mind. The first, we see the passion of God for humanity. Uh, it, it, think about it, the, the passion of God. How far would God go? How far would God reach to reach humanity? How far would he go? So I think about, I think about the passion of God. <laughs> Secondly, I think about, listen to this, I think about the pain that goes with the path of our life. Sometimes, and, and I do think this, sometimes we're, we're <laughs> Roman Miller said it best, uh, one of my mentors, he's in heaven, I can't wait to see him uh, again one of these days. But Roman Miller said, if you're going to be a pastor worth anything, you need to have a soft heart and a tough hide. That's because you're around church people, all right? Anyway, um, but we got it backwards. Oftentimes, we have a tough heart and stuff that really doesn't move us, that moves God, but then we got a real thin hide. Somebody said something, somebody did something, somebody didn't do something, and we're all jacked up and, and out of sorts. But yet the things that ought to move us, we get sort of crusty to them. And God help us. Here we have a situation that it was not all rosy for Mary. I couldn't imagine. Hmm. It wasn't all rosy. There were some things to ask of her that were unbelievable. But, but 
there's pain that goes with the path of our life. And we need to hear that, church. We do. It's especially this day and age. If you think you're not going to have pain on the path of living for Christ, then you're fooling yourself. And I think it's going to get worse. <laughs> they already laugh at us. They, they, there's people in the world right now that laugh that you would come to a church and listen to somebody scream and holler at you. Or you'll get emotional about stuff that's just fictional. They don't call it faith. It's fiction. And I'm here to tell you, it's going to get worse. If I understand the end times we've been preaching on for months, it's going to get worse. But I want to remind you, as a child of God, if you know Christ, there's pain on the path. We're, we're, not, it's not, we're not excused because we know the Christ child. It's really probably multiplied more. And give you one more. The day after the, the birth of Christ also reminds us that partnership is part of it too. I see partnership. I see partnership that God the Father is tied with Jesus, the, the, the Son of God. Uh, I see the Holy Spirit. I see that partnership of the Trinity. I also see a partnership that God had with Mary. Amen? And, and with Joseph. I also see a partnership that God has with you and me. Because Jesus was a partner. He, he, he opened up a way so that you and I could be redeemed. And then you and I and Jesus are in this thing together, exposing other people to the good news of Jesus Christ. So the day after. Hmm. I know that would just blow your mind for me to tell you that was all introduction. Make you feel good. I want to talk to you a few minutes about the next day. The next day. The first thing the next day says to me is it's settled. It. Hmm. It's settled. But here's what some of the things it's settled. God really does love you. See, maybe there's somebody in the post-Christmas spirit. Maybe it's not a good. And we had several. There were several people I prayed for the last few days. We had people, extensions of our church, people that I know personally, people that just lost a loved one just a few days ago, and they went through their first Christmas with that, without that significant others. So in the past year, between last Christmas and this, it's, it, there's been an alteration in their life. And, and so it, it, it's tough. But I want to remind you today that God really does love us. God settled that issue. Regardless if it's up and down, you're on top of the mountain, or you feel like the mountains fell on top of you, I want to remind you that God loves you. Hmm. Show you a verse found in King James, in, in Revelation 13, 8, this is what it says. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. Let's watch this. Of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I want to remind you that that's there that reminds us that God knew that if he created Adam and Eve, that it was going to cost him Jesus on the cross to redeem us. God knew it. He's omniscient. That's a big word. Omniscient means God knows. He knows yesterday, today, and he knows tomorrow before it happens. That's, that's, that's pretty big stuff, wouldn't you say? See, we also say that Jesus is deity because he knew tomorrow too. How many times we have in the scripture that they wrote it this way in the gospels, they would say, and Jesus knowing their thoughts, <laughs> he would say something to them. And so that's what a person watching it and experience it, they realize, wait a second, Jesus knew what was going to happen before it happened because he's God and also man. He took on flesh. See, understanding it is settled that God knows that. He went through it. And I'll say it this way. We need to understand this. We're still observing our manger offer for a few more days. And, and, and this manger reminds me that, yes, it started in a crib, but that crib was heading for a cross. And that's something that you and I need to, we need to understand that. He was born this past Wednesday night. We did a Christmas uh, thing. We were closed here uh, in person, but we did a, a Christmas service, a pre-Christmas service. Uh, Daniel and I did. And uh, he sang a song that night called Born to Die. I never, I don't think I'd ever heard it before. 
I asked him if he'd ever sung it before, and he said no. And, and uh, boy, some of the lyrics are very rich, and we need to be reminded of that. The Christ child, yesterday we observed Christmas. I want to remind you that the Christ child, Jesus took on flesh, and he came to this earth to live so that he could die. And the great news in a few months from now is he also, in that death, he also came back to life. And we shall live also in him. Hmm. So it's settled. Secondly, when I think of the next day, the day after delivery, I secondly, I think about it sensitive. We all need to know this today. I just want to share three things with you. We need to know this. In the world that's craziness that we live in, I just want to say publicly that right is still right. I mean, there's just some things, I, I'm telling you, everything can't be right. You know, everything can't be right. And we, we've come up with all these reasons, but they're still right. I tell people the reason I, I adhere to the word of God is because we need parameters and perimeters in our life. The reason we need authority in our life. The reason children need parents in their life. The reason people need a pastor in this world that we live in. Because we need to understand that right is right. And we need to hear that. Everything can't be right. Today it seems like wrong is right. It seems like to stand for something that is right. In the world that we live in, we're defined as being wrong. I know that might be confusing to you, but just feel good that you're no more confused than I am. When you turn on the TV or you see somebody that's promoting something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt in your being is wrong, no matter how many times somebody tells you it's right, it's still wrong. And somewhere we needed to find that. And I think we did in Christianity a few years ago. The big word was absolutes. There are still some absolutes. Hey, hello, y'all still out there? You know, there's still some absolutes. And so right is right. Let me give you another one. Sin is a stain. And when I think about these big things, right is still right, but also sin is a stain. Today, it seems like we minimize sin. We've almost treated sin like, like everything else. And I just want to put it back in its, in its proper place, not to exalt it, but to put it in its proper place of understanding. If, if sin, there's really nothing to sin, then why did Jesus have to come and die on a cross for it? Why did God send his only son to die on a cross, it started in the manger. Why did God do that if sin is no big deal? It must be a big deal, hasn't it? So no matter what perspective we come up with and what kind of thwarted little understanding that we have, sin is a stain. We've been working on a, a house for some time, and lately I've been fooling around with stain it, or, or other things. There's stuff in the building world when you get on you, Ajax won't even get it off. You hear me? Well, I want to tell you something today, folks. Let's be very carefully. Sin is a stain that only one thing can take care of it. Not goodness. Not coming to church the day after Christmas. Hmm? Not joining us on Facebook. Not being a good moral person. The only hope for sin is the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's it. Nothing else will do. Sin leaves a stain. Let me give you one more if you haven't had enough of that yet. God is God. And Jay is not. The best, now you can play God in your life, but the best God you can be is a little G. There's only one God, capital G. God is God. And you know, on that day, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that God is God.
Hmm, think about it. Those three things. Why are, you saying, why are you sharing that with me? Because in the magnitude and the unbelievable expanse of those three items, listen to this. <laughs> God loves you and me. He loves us if we, if we operate in the wrong. He loves us if we've got sin stains all over us. He loves us if we've compromised who God is in our life. He still loves us. That the writer said nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's personal. He didn't do it for everyone. You know, we made it like the big Coliseum. We made it like the big place where everybody, all the fans get together. Bunches of them going to watch our team play. We made it this big thing. God made it a one-on-one thing. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Now, I know you were too, but it was for me. Don't pass it off on someone else. He did it for you. See, he loves you and he loves me. See, it's sensitive. Show you a passage that even somewhat I think people take this one for granted or really don't live in it, even with religions. But here it is. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Got to stop this. My, my, my girls are here. I've taken a lot of flack through the years on my texting ability. I don't like periods. I'll do an exclamation point every now and then. But I love hyphens. If you've ever got a text from me, I promise you, if you go back, there's a hyphen in there. Maybe it's because I can see it best. It's on the little key thing where I can see it. But I love hyphens. The Christian standard makes me love it even better. Because here, our high priest in hyphens is the son, Jesus, the Son of God. So you're going to get some more with hyphens in it, all right? Let us hold fast to our confession. Listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. God's very sensitive. <laughs> I want you to understand he's not way out there. He's as close as the mention of his name. And when I think about the day after, Mary was still there with Jesus, but she, she had some understanding of what was coming. The same thing with us and all this bigness and all of that, how big the population is, God's made it very sensitive to you and me. It's a personal relationship with him. And so with this clarity and this focus comes emotion. Can you imagine the emotions? If you stopped and thought about the emotions of what was going on, Surely Mary's emotions were all over the place, weren't they? And this might hurt a little bit, but I, wanna, I want you to understand this. I believe that we should be sensitive back to the Lord too. He does have feelings. Do you remember when he healed the ten and only one returned to give him thanks? And, it, and the first thing he asked was, wasn't there ten? What happened to the other 90% that didn't want to come back and, and thank me and have a relationship? Emotionally, he was hurt over it. And today, I think it hurts God. And this is where I get sort of out in the weeds and some people might be offended But God, help us not to pack Jesus up the day after Christmas and put him back in the attic until next year. Hello? Somehow or another, we got to keep him out. It's a sensitive thing. It's a relationship. People should see it in our lives, not just see the lights out on the thing. Listen, we were out and about a few days ago, and I saw a house that it looked like they had 50 blow-ups out in their front yard. I don't think I'm exaggerating. The first thing I thought about was how much money they spent. The second thing I thought about was, sound like a family with a lot of hot air, but that's another sermon. Here's, here's the point, is that so much, so much, something's wrong if we can take him out, and I'll tell you where it, where it gets, we got to watch it, that we're not guilty of taking Jesus out on Sunday and Wednesday, but the other days are for us. See, if there's this sensitive thing and God is moved by who we are and what's going on in our life and he wants to walk with us and talk with us, it should be every day, not just Christmas Day. 
And every day starts with the day after Christmas. Give you two more. The next day also to me is a reminder that it's not secular, it's spiritual. Oh, listen. Mm. I, I just have to get off the train of understanding that God knew they were going to sin and it was going to cost him Jesus and he created us anyway. That's, that, that's where I get off the train right there. That's when God's ways and thoughts are so much higher than ours and I got to leave it with him. All right? And just accept it. But I'll also tell you, this is a little bit of soapbox. I'll sit down instead of stand on my soapbox. I'll sit on it. But it concerns me today. We live in America where people want to divorce themselves from God and divorce themselves from the Christ child and divorce themselves everything God stands for on a regular basis. We're becoming more humanistic by the day in our country. And yet we have no problem taking off holidays when it's Christmas. <laughs> people didn't have a lick of problem staying home from work and yet give no adherence to the Christ of Christmas. Think about that. Don't you think that's hypocritical? Am I the only one that feels that way? You think about it. People that enjoy all the benefits and treat it very secularized, they secularize it instead of the spiritual part. I'll remind you that Christmas starts and finishes in the spiritual, not the secular. Just because man's done that to it doesn't make it right. We've secularized a very spiritual observance. And someone says, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, you go back and recount how many times you've heard somebody say, whether it's the media, whether it's somebody in, in the public sector, in athletics or whatever, something's on TV, and they'll say this, happy holidays. There are more happy holidays in our society today than there are Merry Christmases. Do you know that? You know why? Because we've divorced ourselves from the Christ child, and it's just a holiday. And it's sad in a society that we'll celebrate the holiday without celebrating the reason for the season. I said it. Don't worry about it. We've made it secular instead of spiritual. And one more. It's not just seasonal, but it's eternal in every day. <laughs> Jesus is the door to eternity. I cannot be bought. I cannot be rented. I cannot be compromised. John 14, 6 comes up just about every sermon, every time I speak, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. That is non-compromisable. If you're banking on somebody getting to heaven that you brought in the world and that you love and that you've seen this and that in their life, and you're banking on them getting to heaven because they're a good person, you're living in a fantasy land. What you need to live in a faith land is the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And it's not just being a good person. It's not being a pastor. It's not being a great whoever, but it's about knowing him personally. He's the door. He's the entrance way into heaven. Now, the life we live, we're going to give an account for that after that. But to get to heaven, you've got to go through the way, the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, today what we've done is this seasonal thing. Jesus is the door. Listen, I love the shack. If you've not seen that movie, my encouragement to you in 22 early, maybe before 22 gets here. You need to watch that movie. Uh, if you've not read the book, it's a good one. I mean, it's just a phenomenal story. I can't tell you, uh, I won't take the time to tell you how it all came about. I know it. It's a phenomenal depiction of what a man went through in his own life of understanding God. And, and how they depict that through different characters is really, really unique. But for this sermon, this came to mind. Um, when I think about who Jesus wants to be in your everyday life, there's a scene in the movie when the main actor of the movie that's processing all this about who God is and working through some things in his own life, he's sitting in a boat. You see it there. This man that's outside the boat, of course, walking on the water, is the character who, who portrays Jesus. And he's encouraging him to get out of the boat and to walk on the water with him. It is a phenomenal scene. And, and I've come, the, reason I, the reason that's on my mind is simply to tell you this and we'll move on, is that in, in the season... When I think about the next day with Jesus, you can't keep him in the crib. Wherever you're, wherever you're going to, I, I always think of it this way. You can't even keep him in the boat. 
<laughs> because that's not what he's about. God's about you living in victorious capacities over the things in your life that keep you and hold you, maybe even harm you. And it's not a seasonal thing where we take him out of the attic and put him out in the yard for a few days and then put him back in the attic. It's an everyday thing. And it started the day after Christmas. We can't just put him back up. He walks with us and talks with us. And I just want to encourage you, we're going to move along here, not almost done, but I, I want to encourage you today that if you're going through something in your life, I hope you sense the Lord walk up to you today and say, why are you staying in this boat when I got so much for you, so much more? This, this, what, what God offers is not just a season. It's an everyday thing. There'll be something else in the days to come. But you know what the ultimate offer is? It's an eternity. So don't get caught up in the season. See, what I think about the next day after Christmas is not just a season. Not, not just a season. It didn't end with Mary because she gave birth to the child. No, it was just starting. <laughs> huh? Just starting. Mm. Not seasonal. It's eternal in every day. Here's where I want to end. I want to look back at the verse and show you something pretty unique. Luke chapter 2, verse 19 again, that says that she treasured. There's two words that stuck out to me. But Mary was treasuring all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Here's your good last Sunday of the year springing into the next year. You know what we need to do? We need to treasure him. You know what you do with treasures? Listen to me. You know what you do with treasures? You put them in a safe place. Hmm? This one just came to mind for me. My... I had a brother that passed away that we just commemorated again 45 years ago. It's amazing how much time's gone by. And uh, passed away when I was just, had just turned 11. He passed away a long time ago. And I thought about always, the, always the third week in December is always sort of a tough week. I know it is for my mother. But you know what? You know what you do with it? Say, my, my brother had one gun when he was a teenager and it was a 30-30. I have that 30-30 in a safe. I don't have it out on the floor. I don't have it outside where it can rain on it. I don't even have it in my vehicle where somebody could break in and steal it. No, it's in the safest place I got. It's so safe and my gun's safe that Suzanne and I are the only ones that know the combination. I even told my kids, I don't trust them. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But it's a safe place because it's a treasure. You know what you do with treasures? You put them in a safe place. Mary treasured all these things. Where? In her heart. See, see, I think some of the problem, I think, with people with their walk with God is they don't treasure him. He's a trinket, not a treasure. He's an elixir. When it really gets tough, we pull him out so he can help us. But we do like Christmas. When it's over, we put him back in the attic until the next time we need him. Instead of treasuring him. And I would say, what we need to do today, before we go, is is, is answer this question. Do I treasure him? Treasure him. Hmm. (laughs) And she meditated. Wow. This is so convicting to me. The meditating part. I think I treasure the Lord pretty well. I, I think I fail miserably sometimes, but I think for the most part. But the meditating part, man, I get so worked up over the news. So I'm meditating on all this stuff going on in the world. And I just want to frame it for you. It might matter, but it doesn't matter as much as him. So the next day after Christmas, 
God help us. And we're going to end there. I had a couple more things. I'm done. Here's, here's what I want to say. Treasure. He's a treasure, not a trinket. Meditate on him. invite you to visit lakeshorecmc.org to find out more online. That's lakeshorecmc.org.